If I can show some traveler he is traveling wrong, then my living shall not be in Thank you, Father, for being mindful of us, for caring about us. Without him, oh, how lost I would be. Without him, I'd be on shaky ground. Without him, there would be no hope. Thank you, Father. For the hope that we have. Thank you for the assurance that we have. Hallelujah. That none of us can leave here this morning. We're not going to leave here without the assurance knowing. That you are our God and you supply all of our need according to your riches and glory. By Christ Jesus. And that you care for us. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. May the word of the Lord speak to your heart this morning. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. God is good. All the time. All the time. In the book of Matthew, chapter 7, Verse 21, thank you all for coming, being here with us today, and from Guatemala, God bless you, ma'am, and, and your daughter, is your granddaughter, daughter, granddaughter, daughter, which one, daughter, daughter, okay, thank you, Lord, thank you these people coming to be with us all the way from Guatemala, the word of the Lord is reaching all over the place, isn't it, reaching everywhere. Thank you for being with us today. Chapter 7, verse 21. Jesus said, Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name have done many wonderful works. Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. That's a sad, that's sad. But I want to preach on hope. God gives us hope. He gives us a reason to hope, to believe. To me, the key words of these verses is in verse 23. I never knew you. The question is, can somebody 
It's always the question, can somebody do these things and not know him? Is the name of Jesus so powerful and so ruling? Ruling. The name of Jesus rules. The authority of Christ rules. Is his name so powerful that anyone can pick it up and use it to do mighty work? You remember one time Jesus and his disciples were walking along and the disciples said, Lord, there's someone who's casting out devils in your name. And we bid them come follow with us, but they wouldn't come. Jesus said to them, let them alone. If they're not against us, they're for us. The question is, did Jesus know who they were? Did he know them? They weren't numbered among the twelve. But they were just men who just heard of Jesus, believed on Jesus. And in his name they began to do mighty works. The question is, does Jesus know them? The question is, can anyone do this without knowing? But I'm going to let you answer that question yourself. What I want to talk about here is the key words, I never knew you. In John, the 15th chapter, we read where Jesus talks about him being the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. He's the one that owns the vineyard, and he's the one that takes care of it. And you, speaking to his disciples, are the branches. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And they are gathered together and withered and are burned in the fire. But every branch in me that bears fruit, my Father purges it that it may bring forth more fruit. Whatever is in the vine, the nature of the vine is in the branches that abide in the vine. The life that is in the vine flows through the branch. And whatever, therefore, is in the vine is in the branch. It cannot produce anything but what the vine feeds it from what it receives from the vine itself. So whatever the nature is, we have been made Partakers of that nature. If we're not partakers of the nature, then we're not producing what that nature is. Amen? Second Peter, if you want to read with me. Second Peter, 
chapter 1. In verse 3, according to his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain in, unto life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. The question is, what is the nature of Christ? What is the nature of the vine? Whatever Jesus says is what he is. Whatever he speaks about is his nature. So it is through the knowledge of him, through his word. It says that he has given to us Glory and virtue. He's called us to glory and virtue and given to us great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. You remember Jesus said, if you abide in me, John, back to John 15, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, She'll ask what you will. Shall be done to you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Abide in me and my words abide in you. So the nature of the vine is the very word of God. He says, whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We behave and live according to the nature of the vine. As a Christian, as a child of God, you live as Christ lived. Amen. If I am partakers of His nature, then whatever it is that's in his nature is in me. What is his nature? Well, one thing he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Just as I love the Father and keep his commandments. He said, this is my commandment that I give to you. That you love one another as I have loved you. That's his nature. If I'm abiding in him, then I am partakers of his love. And with that love, I love you. And with that love, God is pleased. The fruit is growing. We're bearing the fruit of Christ. All right. If I have the love of Jesus... He knows me. 
if I love you in him. He knows me. The Apostle John, I want to, I want to talk about him for just a little bit. In his writings, John stresses much about us abiding in Christ. He stresses much, talks much about what abides in us and where we abide in Him. The Gospel of John is a wonderful gospel. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's the most beautiful gospel there is of the four gospels, I think. Because in it we find so much richness of who Christ is. John speaks to us about the Word that was made flesh and dwelt among us. He speaks about He gave them power. Hmm. John chapter 1. He gave them power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on His name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of man, nor of the will of the flesh, but of God. So John is telling us, he's letting us know here, there is a connection between us and God. There, there is that wondrous, miraculous event that takes place between man and God, without which... He doesn't know you. He doesn't know you if that hasn't happened in you. John is the one that told us about that which is flesh. He said, Jesus said, that which is flesh is flesh. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. But that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. He knows you. He knows you. It was the Apostle John who said, who wrote that Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And my sheep know my voice. And the stranger they will not follow. It was John who said, No man can pluck them out of my hand. And my Father which gave them to me is greater than all. And no man can pluck him out of my Father's hands. It was John who told us these things. He knows his own. John, five times throughout the Gospel of John, speaks of himself not giving us his name, but as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He felt so inadequate and unworthy. He felt so humbled 
by the fact that Jesus had called him and that he was actually serving Christ. He came to know him. He came to love him. He slept with him, ate with him, talked with him, was with him day and night. And when he wrote the gospel and gave it to us, he never once mentioned his own name. He simply said, I am the one whom the Savior loved. I'm not even worthy to mention my name next to his. When Jesus first came and began his ministry, he was walking along. When he saw his disciples for the first time, John was one of them. It was Peter and Nathaniel. And the sons of Zebedee, which is James and John. John was a young man at that time. I figure somewhere probably around 20 years old. More or less. And through their relationship with Christ for those two or three years, we see John here and there walking along, being with the group. But it seemed like he was consistently one of the, one of the very few that Jesus seemed to call out from all the rest from time to time to go with him, be with him, share with him. Remember when he was transfigured before them on the mountain, he took Peter, James, and John. So John became one of the close disciples of Jesus. Peter was the hard-headed one among the crowd, among the bunch. Belligerent, loud, hard, but Jesus liked him. He depended on Peter a lot. He chose him. He was one of the first ones he always called was Peter. John mentions his name, Peter. He never mentions his own name, but he mentions the name of Peter. But John, I love John because he's always there somewhere close by. He never speaks of himself much, but he always speaks of Jesus. He doesn't elevate his name, but he always elevates the name of Jesus. He gives us more of an insight of the nature of Christ, I think, more than any other disciples that wrote us the Gospels. Because John was an observer. The Holy Spirit moved upon John in ways that didn't move on anybody else. He gave him revelation and understanding about Jesus that perhaps none of them, the rest of them didn't have at the time. John is always there, looking on, watching, being near. When Jesus had the Last Supper with his disciples, now I want you to picture this in your mind. They were sitting around the table. They weren't sitting at the kitchen table like your table, sitting on chairs. In those days, they reclined on the floor 
around a, 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 a short table. You reclined on the floor and leaned on your elbow and reached over there to the table from, from the floor. How many knew that? Nobody? A few of you knew? No, they didn't have chairs where they sit up real comfortable at a nice table like we do at Thanksgiving and, and Christmas dinners and all. They, they reclined on the floor, laying, almost laying down, propped up on their elbow next to the table. When Jesus was with his disciples around this table, it says that John was next to him. There he is again. Somewhere near Jesus. And he had so much affection for Jesus. He loved him so much. He, he, he looked at Jesus. He, he was an, like an elder brother. More than that. He was the most dearest friend. More than that. He was master. More than that. He was the Lord. And John had this wonderful respect, admiration. He felt it great honor. He perhaps felt like he didn't really deserve this. But he loved Jesus. Jesus had such an effect on him. He wanted to be somewhere close, somewhere near. Every time Jesus turned around, there's John. It's like he hung on to his coattail. He didn't say much. There's not much said about what he said or did. But he's right there with Jesus. And at supper time, the Bible tells us that John leaned over on his chest. Man, he wanted to get it right up in his face. I don't see Peter doing that. Or any of the rest of the disciples. But John. John. The beloved. John, the beloved. What are you doing, John? As if Jesus was saying, let him alone. He loves me. He loves me. But not a word is spoken. Not a word. Not any precautions made. Not anyone saying, John, you can't get that close to the Savior. What are you doing? No one. No one dare say a word to John. To the world, it would almost seem like that John was the teacher's pet. But that's not it at all. John felt close. He drew near to Christ because there was a connection that they had that was very close. They knew each other very well. When Jesus said, my soul is troubled, one of you will betray me. John leaned on his chest. Who is he, Lord? Yeah. Who is it that betrays you? Well, nobody else was asking him. No one but the fellow closest to him. Would Jesus answer him? Would Jesus tell him? 
why would Jesus tell John who the man was? I suppose Jesus couldn't resist. Here's a man who truly, truly loves me. He wants to know all of my secrets. He wants to get close and look me in the eye. He wants me to look down into his soul. He knows I know all things. He knows that I can see into him. And there's nothing that he can hide from me. There is no good thing that he will withhold from them who walk uprightly before him. Lord, who is he? Hallelujah. When Jesus was arrested that night, they went into the garden after they had gone into the garden to pray. You remember. When the soldiers came into the garden, and John tells us about, came into the garden to arrest him. And we know all the incidents that took place. The soldier's ear that Jesus healed is cut off by Peter. The belligerent, the active, the angry, the patriot, the defiant. He was ready to defend Jesus with a sword. And cut the servant's ear off. And in the midst of all that was going on, Jesus reached over, took that ear and put it back on and healed him. Made it whole. And they arrested Jesus and took him out of the garden. And what does the Bible tell us? That the disciple whom Jesus loved followed. He followed and went into the house of the high priest, for the high priest knew who he was. Peter also followed afar off. I preached a message on that some years ago. Peter followed afar off. Cringing and hiding. Cringing and hiding. He was afraid to show his face maybe. He was afraid for people to know who he was. He didn't want nobody to know that he was following Jesus. So he followed afar off. He loved Jesus, but he, he was afraid. He was afraid to show his face. He was afraid to, to let men know who he was and where he was. So he found all the shadows of the night to hide in. But John... He just went right on in. He just followed right on in. And when he came out of the high priest's house, the Bible says that he called for them to let Peter in. And they went out and got Peter. He said, come on in. John, John the Beloved. Let that man in. So he came in. There's another place where we see John. When they crucified Jesus. When they crucified Jesus, we see John standing at the cross. Where's the rest of the disciples? Where's Peter? Where's anybody else? 
There's no one other disciple there. They're all gone. They've all fled. Are they in the crowd? Are they standing off somewhere far away watching what's going on, what's happening at the cross? But John, he draws near. He draws near to the Savior. The place where he's always been. Where he's always been. Somewhere close. Him and Jesus was like magnets. You really couldn't keep them apart. Whatever was happening with Jesus, John was there. Watching, listening, hoping. Standing at the cross, we remember, with his mother, Jesus' mother Mary. And even in death, Jesus saw to his mother, saw to the welfare of his own mother when he said, Son, behold thy mother. Mother, behold thy son. What he was doing was he was giving up the care of his mother for, to John to take care of his mother after he was gone. John was there. After Jesus rose from the dead, you remember the disciples in the, about the 20th chapter of John? So they all were together, Peter, Nathaniel, and the two sons of Zebedee, which is James and John. Peter said, I'm going fishing. And they got in the boat and went out to go fishing. And we know the story. How that they caught nothing. And as the morning, drew, the morning came, Jesus stood on the bank and said, have you caught anything? And nobody knew who it was except John. John is the first one to recognize Jesus. And he told Peter, it's the Lord. Man, John's on top of it. He's right there. He's with it. He's with it. He knows the Savior when he sees him. And that's the truth. I ask you this morning, do you know the Savior when you see him? When you hear about him? When somebody draws a picture of him, when somebody speaks of him, when the preacher preaches about him, when anybody talks or sings about him, do you recognize the Savior when you see him? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! The only way you're going to know that if you draw near to him, if you're far away, you may not know him, but if you get near to him, you're going to know who he is. Jesus said, many will come to me saying, Lord, Lord. But he's going to say, I never knew you. And then Peter and Jesus has that conversation where Jesus said, do you love me more than these? Lord, you know I love you. And three times Jesus asked him, do you love me more than these? Feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And then when he got through talking with Peter, he said, when it was all done, he said, follow me. Talking to Peter again, follow me. And as he began to walk along, Peter looked around and saw, who did he see? He saw John. Tagging along. There's John. Jesus didn't say one word to John. But here's John. He's tagging along behind. <laughs> he says, something's up. 
And wherever Jesus is going, I'm going. <laughs> he don't have to tell me to go. I'm coming, Lord, anyway. You know, you know who I am. And you know the love I have for you. You don't have to tell me. I'm coming. And when Peter saw John following them, he said, And what is this man going to do? It kind of made Peter wonder. I don't know if he was upset or what. What was wrong with Peter asking a question about John? And what is this man going to do? When he saw John following. If I decide that he tarries till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Jesus knew John. He knew what was going to happen. I ask you this morning, do we know? Do we know? Do we believe that he knows? With all of my heart, I'm telling you, I'm being honest with you this morning, with all of my heart and mind and soul, I want to know that he knows me. That is the most important thing in my life is to know that Jesus knows me. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will bear fruit. Herein is my Father glorified. Now he said, by this shall you know those who are mine. By this shall you know those who are mine, those who bear good fruit. The corrupt tree brings forth corrupt fruit, but a good tree brings forth good fruit. Why is it good? Because it partakes of the nature of the vine. In John's gospel, he wrote, I'm the disciple. This is the one. I'm the one who wrote these things. And I wrote them down to let you know that Jesus is the Messiah, that you may believe that he is. And there were so many things that Jesus did that are not written down. If they had been written down, the world itself couldn't contain the book that should be written of him. And in his letter to the church, John speaks over and over and over again. Listen to what he says. He that saith he abides in him ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And ye have overcome the wicked one. The world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abides forever. Let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. But the anointing which you have received of him abides in you. And you need not that any man teach you. 
As the same anointing teaches you of all things and is true and is no lie, even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in Him. And now, little children, abide in Him. Whosoever abideth in Him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen Him, neither known Him. What is he saying there? You cannot continue on in a world of sin if you are connected with Christ. You cannot continue on with your own interest if you are connected to Christ. The world cannot lure you away. Nothing can discourage you or keep you or destroy you when you abide. John knew that. The words of Jesus had such an impact on his life that he wrote about it over and over and over. We must abide. We abide. What God gives to us abides in us. Who Jesus is abides in us. He abides in us. And we abide. We live by him so when that day comes and that day's coming friends when that day comes you will hear Jesus say well done my true and faithful I was hungry. And you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. And you gave me to drink. I was sick. And in prison. And you came to me. And ministered unto me. Enter thou. Into the joy of thy Lord. I don't want to ever hear Jesus say, I never knew you. But I remember the day. I remember the hour. I remember the moment that Jesus came into my heart. I remember the day just like it was today. When I knew my sins were washed away. And he filled me with his love and his peace. Beyond words to describe. When his spirit came into my life. And he changed my whole world. I remember the moment when I met Jesus. He knows me, and I know him. And I would never want to hear, ever hear him say, I never knew you. He couldn't do that now because he knows me. And we partake of that same spirit. same nature flows through us. That same love. That same desire. That same passion. That same faith. Paul says, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life which I now live it's not me who lives, but Christ that lives in me. The nature of the vine flows to the branch. 
And when we come to God, just like Jesus, every time he turned around, he was going to his father. He was asking his father. He was praying to his father and receiving. Jesus said, you will come and ask. If you abide in me, you will receive. Every time you pray to God, let me tell you something this morning. When you pray to God and you know that you are in Him, you can reassure yourself that the answer is on the way. Did you hear me? If you abide in Christ, the answer is on the way because you are in Him. Somebody says, why do you pray? Jesus prayed, that's why. Somebody said, why do you love? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus loved. Why do you believe so hard? Why do you have faith? Why do you want to keep on? Because Jesus did. Why you shouldn't be. You ought to be uh, considering what's going on. You ought to be just, uh, just all tore up. No, I'm not. Jesus wasn't. What is in the vine is in the branches. We, listen, I'm, I'm trying to open your eyes to something here. We are of the same spirit as Christ. We are partakers of his divine nature. And when we pray, when we ask God, He will give it to you. Now, it may not be just like, you know, poof, and there it is. But another fruit of the Spirit is patience. We wait upon the Lord. And they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. We've sung that around here so many times. They shall mount up with wings and eagles. They shall run and not be weary, walk and not faint. If we wait upon the Lord. We're waiting as that we're waiting, we're serving God. We're waiting and we're knowing and we have been reassured in our hearts that God has the matter in His hands. And we will see it come to pass. And we're not discouraged. We're not down and out. We're not, we're not, the devil can't count us out. We are not being counted down. We're not going out. We're going over. We're going on. So don't let the enemy lie to you and count you out. He couldn't count out Jesus. Huh? He couldn't put him out. He couldn't stop him. Remember when he was, when he was tempted and tried in the wilderness? Those 40 days and nights in the wilderness, he was tempted of the devil. And the devil tried every way to bring him down. He couldn't bring Jesus down. And it's the same way with you. You have the same nature, the same spirit that is abiding in you. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. So you say, Brother Bob, what are you doing? I'm waiting on the Lord. What are you doing? I'm rejoicing in the Lord. What are you doing? I know that God has heard my prayer and the answer is on the way. Hallelujah. As, the, as a matter of fact, the Bible says, God says, while you're yet speaking, the answer is on the way. Before you call, I will hear you. And while you're yet speaking, the answer is on the way. Stand with me, everybody. When Jesus rose from the dead, Who were the two disciples at the grave? Peter and John. 
There's John again. No matter how fast Peter runs, he can't seem to get shed of John. No matter where they go, John is always there. When John ran to the tomb, he stopped and looked in. Peter ran out running when running to the tomb. Remember, he ran past John and went on into the tomb. John's standing there with his mouth hanging open. But I believe that John didn't have to see. He knew. John didn't need a second reassurance. He already knew. Jesus is not there. He's risen. Why is that? Because he knows Jesus. And he trusts Jesus. And he's close to know that Jesus cannot lie. He cannot fail. Death cannot hold him. Hallelujah. Do we know Jesus? Do we trust him? Are we going to ask for a second opinion? Or do we trust him totally? Hallelujah. Sometimes people are the first to want to blurt out and do something. But those that are steady and steadfast, they stand their ground and wait. Peter and John went to the temple at the hour of prayer, and the lame man laying at the gate. Remember, Peter said, Silver and gold I have not, but such as I have I give you in the name of Jesus. Get up. And he took him by his hand and raised him up. Who was with him? John. John was with him. Steadfast, unmovable, faithful, believing, trusting, knowing, always there, speaking out, standing up, making his voice heard, making his faith known. He's not ashamed. The anointing which abides in him teaches him all things. And he knows. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you this morning. Because you have made us to know. You have made us to know the truth. And that we abide in the truth. And that the anointing which you have given us, the Holy Spirit that you have given to us, abides in us. And teaches us all things. Help us to know that, Father. Help us to remember. Help us to not be discouraged or blindsided in any way. Not to lose our focus on you. Hallelujah. Because, Lord, we know that you know. You are ours and we are yours. Praise God. I pray, Father, that you revive us. I pray, Lord, that you will kindle a fire in, under that love that we have. Let it burn. Let it burn brightly. Let it burn strongly. Fervently. Passionately. Oh, Lord. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Do you love him this morning? Yes. Turn around and tell somebody, I love Jesus and I love you. Now, come on now. I want you to know. I want you to know that I love you in the Lord.
because we abide in His love. We abide in His love. We abide in His love. Hallelujah. Isn't it a great place to be? Abiding in the vine. If I can show some traveler he is traveling